This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell, yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. The Maharaja of Pro Wrestling Podcast. Top Rope Nation on the air. Presented by TopRopePress.com as always. I am Ryan Drosty. Joined here by my sidekicks, Kyle Ross, Justin Joint. We're going to get to them in just a second. We're talking all things pro wrestling this week. We'll talk uh, WWE Backlash, NXT TakeOver, of course, Jinder Mahal, and uh, maybe some Owen Hart memories at the end since we had the uh, anniversary of his passing yesterday as we record this on Wednesday. Before we get to that, guys, if you are listening to us right now on iTunes, go ahead and leave a review. Look up Top Rope Nation. You'll find the podcast on there. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, Leave us a comment. Let people know why you like listening to the show. Going to start something new this week. If you leave us a review on iTunes, we will read it on the air. We will also put a screenshot of it up here on the YouTube show. If you're watching the show uh, live or on demand on our YouTube page with Top Rope Press, uh, here's a couple of reviews to whet your appetite. This was from Hawkeye N7, and he said, Top Rope Nation is a great podcast. These guys are quickly becoming a go-to source for news analysis and enjoyable discussions of professional wrestling. Got to love that one. Uh, we've got these guys followed me on Twitter a while back, and I'm glad they did. Great weekly podcast, easy to listen to, and hosts are full of knowledge. A five star podcast, and this one it looks like he was new to the show. This is from King Walty 89. Guys are pretty solid. Great show. Thanks for the review. So, guys, if if, if you're listening, go ahead, give us a shout out on iTunes, leave us a review. We will uh, read it on the air for you next week. So, uh, with that being said. I think uh, Kyle's having some technical difficulties, but I got Justin joined on the line here. Justin, how is your week going? Not too bad. Not too bad. I'm ready for this uh, Punjabi podcast. That's right. That is right. I think Jinder Mahal would appreciate this podcast. We've been on the Jinder bandwagon for a while here on Top Rope Nation, and we talked about it last week. We were, we all really wanted Jinder Mahal to win the match, but we didn't think it really had a chance. And then Saturday, those betting odds came out, and there was a chance. It went down. Kyle, how pumped were you when Jinder Mahal won the WWE Championship? I'm more pumped than I was when my computer just went dead there for a minute. Man. <laughs> I oh, looked up for my notes. I looked up for my notes and <laughs> it's just I, I, I have no idea what happened there. I have no idea. My computer just literally just like blanked out and I, I panicked. So I'm glad I was able to join. Um, yeah, like you when you sent me that tweet on Saturday that the betting odds had switched, you know, those are usually reliable indicators. So I was like, okay, uh, maybe they're going to do it. Um, 
we'll get into it. This vi- I don't know how le- quote unquote last minute it was. Obviously, it was late in the week that this call was you know kind of made known throughout the company. But given what's happened, kind of with Rusev's storyline, how that's gone away, this was not something that's been planned for a long time. Right. But you know, I mean, I, I I'm. I think like most thing, well, you know, I think is in terms of the reaction, the it's skewed more heavy that there are people more angry about it, I think, than there are more people like fired up about it. I just don't understand why people would be that angry about this. There's no reason to be. Let's talk about let's talk about the anger. I know Justin's got some thoughts on that. Apparently, Reddit shut down. They were so pissed <laughs> off. Our friends over at Squared Circle on Reddit. I don't know if they really are friends. I, I I go on there once in a while, and sometimes I read some questionable content on Reddit. But man, they were yeah, they went. Would they have a five minute shutdown or something? That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Justin and I were texting that night, and. It was like a full Twitter meltdown. What the heck is going on here? I didn't I realize there were so many marks. Alistair Black had a great tweet. Did you guys see it? He's mm. like, Are you guys all mad that the bad guy won? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It's, like, that was freaking great. Yeah, like, yeah, that's perfect. You know, it's funny. I was thinking, this is the first kind of legit heel champion WWE's had in a while. I love it. It's fresh. What is there to not like about this? Yes. Um, because when you look back at the heel champions, I was there, so I can attest to this. Brock Lesnar, when he beat Goldberg, was cheered by a large portion of the audience. Who's Brock Lesnar? <laughs> He's your WWE Universal Champion. You have not seen him since then, but uh, he is still then. He may have been on Raw the next night. He was on Raw the next night, but whatever. It's immaterial. Uh, but if you look back at other heel characters that have won the title, you had Bray Wyatt, uh, Kevin Owens, AJ Styles, since the brand split, right? But yeah. those three heels all got you deserve it chance mm-hmm. when they won. This is a genuine heel title win that is supposed to piss you off. Yeah. How awesome and, was his entrance on SmackDown, by the way, with the police escort at the beginning of the show? Oh, it's great. The presentation ha- has been very, very good. Yeah, I, I loved it. I loved every second of it on SmackDown, I got to say. People are probably tuning us out right now. They're just like Welcome. about to have a coronary watching this show. Well, and let's let, let's see what their side of the argument is. Is He was basically a jobber like a month ago. Um, I'm not convinced that he is a champion-level talent just from his in-ring work. Uh, but he, he's been good on the mic. Uh, I like the character. It was a surprise, um, and Randy Orton is about as stale of a champion as you can get. So I, I'm I'm glad they mixed it up, and, and not to mention the apparently they have an India a tour of India coming up, so yes. it's also a really smart business. Move. Y- yes, I mean that's what I brought. I mean there is a business strategy behind doing this. Vince McMahon, I mean, right? I mean I, th- I think that's out there now that mm-hmm. Vince very much wants to tap into that Indian market. And, you know, he, he sees, you know, ethnic champions have been a, a huge staple of WWE, you know, going back in the, in the 70s. I mean, that was huge. And, you know, there's a name that I've been thinking of when I look at the presentation of Mahal over the last week or so that not a lot of people have mentioned. And that's Alberto Del Rio. 
and how, what a lousy job they did presenting him as you know uh as an ethnic character right i mean like mm -hmm. mex america that was trash and then going back remember when they they wanted to have him be this baby face character really tapping to the hispanic market and they did it so poorly yeah they, this they're you know that they, they had him just saying things it's like no 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 this is the way to do it where okay he's a heel in the u.s but like he's very much you know when they do do the tour of india he's gonna get a hero's welcome mm-hmm you know, it's kind of like that Bret Hart duality thing they had going to 97, which is, you know, I think set the template for how you how you promote an ethnic character nowadays. And they really haven't done it since Bret. That, that's a where great, they've got that. Yeah, that's a great comparison because everything gender is saying is not really heel. It's not heel mic work at all. The only thing that's heel about him is the Singh brothers helping him. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and what? There's a billion people that live in India. There's <laughs> like, a lot, like Kyle was saying. Solid business decision. I, I'll tell you from our web traffic on Top Rope Press, we do a lot of hits from India. So there, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of interest. We have we have downloads of the podcast in India. There's a lot of interest in uh, pro wrestling in India. Well, did you see the SmackDown rating come in? It was up. I mean, yeah, part up. of that could be the typical post pay per view bump, but when you look a key metric that isn't talked about enough i think on the internet is these youtube views that wwe gets because what they that they it's really interesting because if people don't if they just watch shows in real time and then don't watch anything again you may not know this but they seg they take the individual segments from raw and smackdown and put them up on their youtube channel and it's really interesting to look at which ones draw more hits than the others and in the case of SmackDown two nights ago, or last night, this is Wednesday, the Mahal's uh, clip, which we just mentioned, did huge numbers way beyond everything else that was on the show. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it did it did one of the it, it's done more views than any, you know, any segment they've got on there almost. And it's only been up for 24 hours. So so somebody's interested in this. Yeah, of course. What I mean, it was a great Ginderella story. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, what did you guys think about Backlash as a pay-per-view top to bottom? Like, if you had to grade it, in my in my report, I gave it a C. I was going back and forth, B to C. I ended up going with a C. Um, I, I thought it was like an average show. C, average grade. Um, I would go slightly above. If, you, if we could do minuses and pluses, I would say like B minus C plus. Yeah, that's probably about where I would be too. Um, maybe B minus. I, I don't know. I, I feel like nothing sucked on it really, except Harper Rowan. Was kind that's of why I gave it an average grade. I thought I think it was all decent, yeah. just nothing like like the Owen Styles match was good, but it was hampered mm -hmm. by the ending that they were going to have, which they had to do. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But it's still a good match. Um, I as we're going to talk about, not a fan of the Nakamura match. <laughs> we talked about that last week and what the dangers in that match were, and that's exactly what went down. Yeah. Um, I like gender winning the title. Obviously, the women's match was, you know, it was there, it was it was decent, nothing blow away. Um, Harper and Rowan, I guess the crowd didn't really care about that one. Zayn and Corbin spot, was yeah. a pretty good match. Um, surprise at the finish, but a good match. You haven't mentioned my favorite match yet. The tag team title match. Oh yeah, that was terrific. That was a good match. So, fun. I mean, it was I mean, a overall, great it was a house show match. 
yeah overall it was a good it was a good pay-per-view but uh, nothing spectacular i didn't think so you i want to go right to that back to match? Some... i actually wanted to come back to something justin said earlier okay about um what is one of the common gripes about jinder bahal in that okay he was a jobber and he's this is just an out of nowhere push so who is the most likely guy especially because he's a smackdown champion that people are going to compare this to especially people who don't like it jbl right mm -hmm. so i was thinking about that and you know j the problem with jbl is he'd been with the company a long time before they just shot him to the moon and he was very much like defined as a member of the acolytes yeah you know he i mean he'd been around for six years Jinder Mahal, like, while he obviously was at the bottom of the card last month, he's not that defined, really. You know what I'm saying? Like, he hasn't been around long. Nobody really thinks about 3MB. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think his career is so defined that he can't break through that with the right presentation. Yeah, and Bradshaw was a jobber going back to, like, the mid-90s. I mean, he'd been around for a decade the company so yeah but i'm saying like just the length that bradshaw had been around like it was hard for people like when he became jbl i think it took a long time for people to not think of him as the acolyte with yeah. jinder Hall, there's just not a large enough body of work where it's like oh, okay this guy wasn't that big oh his body's large like, enough yeah well and that could be erased i mean he, he's yeah i mean i think it can be erased yeah <laughs> yeah i'd love to get on his workout program <laughs> did you see the picture someone posted it was like him last august Versus now, unbelievable. You know, I, I, know I did Twitter. like some of, the, some of the people throwing it back uh, in in the gender critics' faces. I don't know if you guys saw these, where a guy was like, um, people were like, it's ridiculous, man. Like how they're just putting a title on the, a guy who gets all you know who does that to his body, and everyone's like, how dare you speak ill of Eddie Guerrero like that? Oh, oh man, <laughs> too soon. Yeah. 12 years too soon uh yeah. but hey india if you're listening to us in india right now i know we've had downloads there we love you guys thank you for the support we are on the gender mahal bandwagon strong oh. we're, on top oh, of we're gravy trading off gender mania <laughs> hey and if you guys if you love our show speaking of youtube and india and everything uh if you don't know youtube which we have been uh expanding the show with this weekly broadcast putting it up on youtube as a video show so if you're listening, you can also watch the show on YouTube, uh, kind of a souped up version of the show. YouTube now has put professional wrestling in a uh, almost like a band category for advertising. So we really make virtually nothing off of the show's advertising on YouTube. So if you want to help us out, you want to help us grow this show, uh, check out patreon.com slash top rope nation you can support the show and everything we do there throw us a dollar whatever you want just to show you support the show um if you uh pledge enough we'll send you a free t-shirt you get access to exclusive shows so that is something you can do to help out the show did you guys hear about that on youtube that's kind of been like the big controversy yes. lately yeah now, wwe is apparently doing okay even though as people have argued they're kind of the ones who bring the uh bring the image of pro wrestling down but uh yeah Pro wrestling basically on YouTube is is a wasteland. I saw what culture pro wrestling had to cancel some shows because they lost so much advertising revenue on their YouTube page. Yeah, I was getting real concerned with, you know, like the CWF Mid-Atlantic show, which is great. Um, and they just posted every Wednesday. You know, I was getting concerned that because um, that news came right before the 
we haven't even like talked about Trevor Lever's chip day. I'm going to bring that up in a little bit again. But like right before that match was going to air, that news broke. I'm like, oh my God, please don't tell me like CWF Atlantic's going to go away. Um, thankfully it hasn't. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of companies who are getting creative with their YouTube and it was, you know, kind of a big part of their promotion. It sucks. We, we, it's not like we were making Dude, big money the or anything. News, not promoting on YouTube. Yeah, it's not like our show's making big money or anything. I mean, we've got a strong group of supporters that support us every week, and it's growing. We get a few thousand people that watch the show or listen to the, sh the podcast version. We make cool. a couple bucks a month, you know, a few bucks here and there to cover our hosting costs, at least for the audio files. But now, I'm not kidding you, it's gone down to like pennies. Like, the advertising does not bring in anything anymore ever well, since I, YouTube made that change. I, I, I want our listeners to know that if they contribute to our Patreon, I... I I can be bought. I, I will root for who you tell me. That's what I will talk about. He will switch his favorites on a whim just for you. Tell him who you want to, uh, who you and Justin to advocate for on the show weekly. He'll do it. He'll sell it hard. Yep. I will sell out. <laughs> He'll buy in. Right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. So, guys, that Shinsuke Nakamura match, his main roster debut, first match on Backlash. Were you guys shocked that was the first match when it started? Yes and no. I was surprised. I mean, the whole show was kind of all the advertising was built around it. You know, they, they've always people have always kind of going back. God, what? 10, 15 years of like done this thing where they fall in love with the poster of the show. Yeah, I never bought it as being the main event. I'll say that because the, just simply because the result was a formality. I didn't think for a second the match would go on last. Um, I had just read actually this morning the theory that it was put on first because of the NBA playoffs. Didn't they do this um, in like October? Wasn't there like, there was like a three-way pay-per-view? It's embarrassing that I can remember like a 1988 card like the back of my hand, but I can't uh, remember October. I'm the same way. I can't it was, it was a three. Anything. John Cena was in it, remember? Ryan, I feel we talked about that they led off the show with a, th a triple threat for the world title because it was going up against something. It was was what it must have been a presidential MLB playoffs? Debate. Oh, it could have been presidential. Yeah, it probably was a presidential debate, actually. But yeah, it was, John Cena was in it. It was it was a uh, Cena Ambrose Styles. It was actually a really good match. But remember, they led the pay per view off with it, and so I, I guess there was a little concern within WWE. They're like, ah, oh, well, you know, we've got this half hour to ourselves. We'll put Nakamura on. I don't know yeah. if I agree with that. Um, but I don't know what else you put on first, though. Because we always criticize WWE for putting those crowd killing matches, you know, like doing a match where like they kill the crowd with the finish in the first match. Mm -hmm. And at least here they were putting over, you know, somebody everyone wanted to see go over, which is Zane what you want to do with the opener. Yeah, Zane Corbin would have worked, especially with Zane going over. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'll so, buy that. So going back to what we talked about with Nakamura and Ziggler and what how we thought the match should go, watching it. It felt like that is what should have been the second or third match in this feud, not the first. Yeah, Ziggler got way too much offense in. I, I think if you went back and you actually tracked the match, like he won the majority of the match easily. And 16 minutes, a 16-minute match, it was just crazy. So I don't, I don't think really the position on the card really matters. I was just saying I was kind of shocked it was the first thing. But... What does matter is the fact that Dolph Ziggler goes toe to toe and wins the majority of the match for 16 minutes. I did not care for that at all. 
there was definitely one too many heat segments. I think they, so he, here's what's funny. I did not watch this live. I watched it the next day. So I had already seen your, both of your guys' comments. So I was prepared and I, I kind of was watching it with a bit of a, a biased lens going in. I was like, all right, let's see how they screw Nakamura here. Okay. And I'm watching the crowd was super into his intro. They were super into the beginning of the match. I'm like, okay, this is fine. This is okay. They're still buying. I'm okay. And it wasn't until like the second heat segment where I think they may have lost the crowd a little bit. There, there was just one too many. And, you know, this whole bit, you know, I saw some people defending it on Twitter by saying, oh, well, you know, Dolph Ziggler's a former two-time champion. And, and, you know, in the commentary, they tried playing up. That's some retcon shit, man. Uh, yeah. You know, so like, like now you're going to play Dolph Ziggler up as a former two-time champion. I mean, I know that it's, they, they say it before, but it's like, to me, that does that doesn't really put Ziggler over. Kind of devalues the world title more when you say Dolph Ziggler's a two-time champion. Oh, shots fired! Shots fired! I mean, doesn't I mean? Can you think of a worse multi-time champion in the history of the company? I'm sure we could find one. I, not in terms of ring work. I'm talking in terms of importance. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to go through the list, but uh, he is he's definitely a solidified mid-card talent. I mean, because yeah. he was like a two-time champion in that era where you really didn't need the two titles. Yeah. He did the what? The Money in the Bank cash-in on Del Rio. And then... Um, I can't even remember what the other one was. Oh, he like beat Edge on a SmackDown or something and like lost it later that night. Yeah. I mean, th- those were not, you know, history-making moments in the you know our sport. Mm-hmm. Well... We talked about it on the show last week, and uh, it's kind of what I wrote in my review on Top Pro Press. Uh, the The danger in doing a match like that is anyone that's not familiar with Nakamura, who is familiar with Dolph Ziggler being this mid-card talent, is wondering, what's the big deal about Shinsuke Nakamura? It took him 16 minutes to beat Dolph Ziggler. Basically got his ass kicked for the majority of the match. Um, he took all of Ziggler's signature moves comes back at the end out of nowhere wins you know like wh- why is this guy special if, if i'm new that's what i'm thinking i thought the near falls out the finishes was a disastrous idea i i in in some regards i actually thought it was worse than our, our fears last week i mean if you if people go back and listen to last week's show i mean we kind of laid out what could be like a worst case scenario for agenting this match and in some regards it it, it met those worst that's Here. for sure. I think that was the first it, line on my review was, I'd love to know who agented this match. Yeah, it just, it was just, if you want to make someone, it just, look, it shouldn't have been a total squash. Like, you know, we said it, it shouldn't be 30 seconds, but there was just no reason to have that match be that long because it wasn't a great match. And, you know, Nakamura just, he didn't feel special. No. And, and it was really exacerbated when you watch that main event and on SmackDown from last night, man, you, you tell me that you give AJ and Nakamura a 20-something minute match against Kevin Owens and Dolph Ziggler, you're thinking, okay, oof, that was not a great match either. Again, he was he was not on offense enough. I don't know if it's him. I don't know what's going on, but the presentation has not been good. And if people who aren't familiar with them, they're you know, there's kind of a backlash in today's society when something gets hyped to you, and if it doesn't live up to your expectations, people are quick to turn on things. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this is a disaster. I mean, he's talented enough to get through it. I think on Sunday, 
he was still very over by the end of the match. But man, they they need more squash matches on WWE television. They I, really I, do because that's just, what enables new characters to get themselves over. I just went through the list of uh, WWE champions and uh, world heavyweight champions, and uh, I'm pretty sure you're right. It's uh, <laughs> multi-time. Oh, who's worse? Than, yeah. Like who's less relevant than Dolph Ziggler? And there's people that you could make an argument that maybe they shouldn't have got Ray Mysterio. I think he should have, but I mean, Jack Swagger is a one-time champion, so you can't lump him in there. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's you're what right, I'm saying. Like, I mean, some of the one-time champions are worse, but like, God, that Swagger thing was horrible. But um, yeah, I mean, as far as a guy who got it twice, whew, talk about two meaningless runs. Yeah, like you hear two-time champion, like what an empty. What empty praise that is for Dolph Ziggler. Two meaningless runs. Well, they made sure to point out at the beginning of SmackDown that he was the former Money in the Bank winner, so he is in that match. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did catch it. But, yeah, they did. I mean, and that's smart, I guess, but um, I I have an issue with the way they did Money in the Bank. We'll get to that. But I just think that Nakamura, he just didn't come across as special or cool. You just needed, like... Ziggler should have tried been trying a bunch of stuff and none of it should have worked. That that's the way the match should have been. It should have been like, you know, here's Dolph Ziggler. He's a two-time champion and he's going to do all this stuff. And Ziggler should just had an answer or Nakamura should just had an answer for everything. Not do like two and a half heat segments. And that finish didn't work with the live crowd. Did you know, like they did this nuanced finish where Ziggler spit at him and then like Nakamura like kind of got real fired up and then he just took over and won. Mm-hmm. It was kind of lost on the live crowd, I thought. Yeah, it's something that's hard to see if you're in the venue with 15,000 yeah. people. Yeah. It reminded me of the Bliss uh, Bailey finish from Payback, which was also nuanced and lost. Like, so they did that spot where Bailey hit her head on the post, mm-hmm. but then she like kind of shrugged it off for a little bit got the inside cradle words to the point that you almost thought, okay, maybe she was faking it. And then Bliss, the DDT out of nowhere and just pinned her clean. Yeah. And, you know, the nuance was supposed to be, well, okay, that's what she gets for hitting her head. But the crowd didn't pick up on it. The live crowd didn't pick up on it at all. So, yeah, this just, I, I didn't like the way the match was laid out at all. Sunday. So let's take this right into uh, the money in the bank. So we got six people announced for the money in the bank. Uh, Nakamura wasn't out there right away. Uh, Ziggler was. I assumed watching it that Nakamura would be added, but uh, that would have been pretty disastrous if he wasn't. And the guy who he beat the night before is is out there. So we've got uh, Sami Zayn, Baron Corbin, AJ Styles, Nakamura, uh, Kevin Owens, and then Ziggler. And we'll go back to backlash here in a minute, but I think this flows pretty well with uh, the conversation we're talking about right now. So out of those six guys, I mean... There's a lot of directions they could go here. I think this is going to be a hard one to predict. Um, Kyle, you said you have uh, some issues with how they presented the money in the bank. I hated that segment so much. I, I hate, like, I, I just, I hated, hated, hated that segment. Um, I hate when, like, I thought Corbin's promo was okay, but like the whole thing where like everyone else just gets a turn with the mic i hate those promos so much mm-hmm. and they just like kind of just say things that are meaningless even not Nak- i mean even nakamura's like you can call me mr money like it just meant nothing 
Do you think um, do you think Nakamura should just not talk? I was I was thinking that watching the show, like he had that, and they had the backstage segment with AJ. You know, he comes off kind of they have him being kind of comical. So I don't know. Would he be better just as like a strong silent guy that never talks? I mean, people are into him maybe. either way. Maybe. So I I don't know. I'm not sure it really adds much to his character. It could be more detrimental. I mean, he has not cut a home run promo yet on the main roster, but I mean it's it's been so limited. But yeah. um, my main issue that was so you talk about uh, I I also was pretty convinced they're waiting for Nakamura to come out last, okay, which is a good sign. By the way, it means they think highly of him. They wanted to save you know quote unquote the best for last, but they did that thing with Owens right where Owens came out thinking he was the guy, and then Shane's like, you know, you're not the guy. Here's the guy, and they had announced it initially as a five man match. As I drop my pen. And then the damnedest thing happened. Owens gets in there and just kind of like states his case as to why he should be in. And Shane's like, okay, you're in. <laughs> like, yeah, that was. We talked about SmackDown kind of taking these bizarre routes to get to the finish line before with that Orton Wyatt program. Why even do that? Why even like do the psych out that it's going to be five man just like to make your GM kind of look dumb? Yeah. And be like, okay, you're in. You're right. You you know, because he made good points. Like it just made the Owens is like, uh, I won last night. There's people who lost last night in this. I'm the US champion. Why am I not in this? And like the GMs out there is like, yeah, it's it's pretty good point. You're in. Like <laughs> when when they had done the thing with Nakamura coming out in front of Owens, I don't know about you guys. I was like, okay, this is how they're gonna get to the Owens Nakamura feud. Owens is going to be pissed that they picked Nakamura over him and he's going to cost him the match. And I was like, that's not a bad storyline to do. And then they're not doing that. Yeah, they could still do it coming out of the match. That's well, I mean, I guess he could cost him, but like it would be, I think it would mean more if Owens wasn't in the match and cost him. Yeah. To set up a U.S. title match. And then Owens could have just done a, you know, a US. I know that would have upset Dave Meltzer not having your secondary champion in a multi-person match, but you know, that's just too bad. Yeah. Um, if you're gonna look at who's gonna come out on top in this thing, I mean, to me, it's gonna be one of three guys. And I don't know what's going on with Baron Corbin right now. I mean, he took the clean loss to Orton. Um, then a few days later, he loses that backlash clean. Then he lost clean really really quickly on SmackDown again to Sami Zayn. So it seems like they're rehabbing Sami Zayn, trying to make him into a more of a top level talent than he's been portrayed for the last year. Uh, is this the right, what do you guys think? I mean, Barrett Corbin has been built up. We talked about squash matches. You know, this guy's been built up very well um, since the brand split started. Is this all cheap in where he's kind of got to over the last nine months or so? Yeah, it kind of smells like a, uh, wwe's version of a, a swerve on people yes. like oh look yeah. at it. he can't win anymore and then oh he wins the money in the bank surprise yes. we totally got you guys completely yeah. agree completely. that's what it smells like to me yeah it, it's vintage i don't know why they do that either justin why they like they've got a guy who's gonna win a big match and then they beat him a bunch of times before that yeah 50, i don't 50. get it at all yeah i think uh I would pick Corbin just because I think by the time we get there, he's going to need it more than anyone else. If they actually want this guy to be a main eventer. It's also kind of a heel gimmick, the briefcase, right? Yes. Except, except when the baby face 
actually challenges for an upcoming event, then it works. Yes, like RVD, it worked. The second one, I'm trying to think who are the other some of the other baby faces that have won it, where it's been like a. Because like there have been times when baby faces have done it, and it's like a heel thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like CM Punk the first time. You know, he came down. He took advantage of Edge being out. Ambrose last year. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's kind of a heel move. Well, with this occurrence, with them actually having a heel champion, this could actually be a really good way to really boost either now mm -hmm. them win it, challenge gender for SummerSlam, and you know the the crowd's going to erupt if either one of those guys actually won. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they could do that. You're right. I mean, because I mean, I think it all depends on how long they're keeping the title on gender. Too is something else to consider. I'm going to guess he's going to break Bruno Sammarantino's record. <laughs> that's my guess. <laughs> well, then whoever wins the money in the bank ain't going to. Uh, it doesn't matter because that means they won't cash in. I guess it's going to be Ziggler then. That means you'll have eight failed cash-ins, by the way, I think, on Money in the Bank. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I, I mean, I could see Styles winning it, too. Um, I yeah, I think it's going to come down to Corbin Styles and Nakamura, probably one of those three. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see Owens winning it as the U.S. champion. Zane, no. See, and I don't see Styles, because I think we're going to get this Owens and Styles feud for a while. Yeah, I mean, the, the way, yeah, obviously the finish, you kind of alluded to, uh, Ryan before the, the count out finish um, that very clearly was done with the intent of, okay, there's more matches to come. Yeah. So yeah, the first one, pretty good match, but uh, I think we got, we got more, probably better matches. On the I had no problem with them doing that. We talked about how the finish would be interesting. We, in our, in our preview, we talked about that. It, it would, it was likely to be done in a manner where, the loser would be allowed to kind of still, you know, look strong. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it was creative. You know, you've not, I've, I haven't, can't remember seeing that before. Anything on backlash that we didn't mention that you guys want to cover besides Becky Lynch's haircut? Who? What was that? <laughs> I have no idea. She, I, she looked a little better on SmackDown. She kind of uh, covered that up. No, I don't really. I couldn't tell what that said. Justin helped assign to the camera, but I couldn't tell what it said. I, I'm ready to talk some NXT. Okay. Oh, or TXN, I believe that's <laughs> Shut up backwards for us. Oh, oh, see, it looks fine for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the NXT Bad show is Sullivan phenomenal. portion of the podcast. <laughs> uh, Justin and I actually watch NXT together. He came over to my place. Uh, oh, in fact, he, uh, Justin, you left a few of your Stella Artois bottles over here. On purpose, so you have to invite me back. <laughs> I may have given one to the wife last night, so <laughs> I'll have to pay you back on that one. Um, yeah, NXT, especially that UK title match, obviously that's what everyone's talking about. Um, we kind of wanted to talk about that match and where it ranks as far as if you are if you are rating a match of the year right now, at least in WWE, because I know there's one in New Japan everyone's going to point to. Um, but... Uh, Man, I don't know. As far as WWE matches go, that's my match of the year right now. I, I gave it six and a half stars. So, it's, Well, you're breaking the system here. <laughs> if it would have been in the Tokyo Dome, it would have got seven stars. Oh, here we go. No, I really like What's Norm Dooley thinking right now? Um, <laughs> I would say that as far as w matches under the WWE banner go, it would be either that or Styles Cena from Rumble. 
Yeah, I think it's definitely got to be one of those two. I, in a distant third for me is the uh, three-way elimination tag at XT Orlando. Okay, yeah, that's good. Um, I, I would say that this was probably one of the five best matches I've seen in any promotion all year, the UK match. Yeah, yeah. oh, easily, easily. Now, uh, yeah, the Omega, the six-tire match from Wrestle Kingdom, that's one everyone's going to point to. Um, which was a phenomenal match too. Naito Tanahashi is is right there too. The top two are both in my top five. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, Omega you know, Okada. My number one though. I don't think I've had a chance to wax poetic about my number one match of the year. All right, let's hear it. House of Horrors. Yep. <laughs> you got it. No, uh, Chip Davis, Trevor Lee, CWF Mid Atlantic. See, I still haven't seen it. That is incredible professional wrestling. I had heard about it. A lot of people I read on Twitter who I respect. And I was like, all right, I'm going to check this out. Bruce Mitchell gave it five stars. Um, I like Bruce. And I checked it out. I was like, all right. So I, I, it kind of had the hype that Omega Okada had going in. And I'll tell you what, I, I enjoyed it more than Omega Okada. I really did. It is great old school Southern wrestling with a modern twist. Where, where can one go to watch this? Look up CWF Mid-Atlantic on YouTube.com. You, they have all their. I forget what the week was. I'll I'll send. I, I can look it up and I'll send you the link after the show, if you remind me, because I'll probably forget in five minutes. Well, we've had some phenomenal wrestling in the last five months. So I think once we get we to the end of the year, we do our, where there's been more great matches. Yeah, when we get to the end of the year and we're doing our uh, best of 2017 show like we did last year, it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of uh, interesting discussion on that show. I think. Well, I'll um, tell you what, the done and bit ever living crap out of each other. That that helicopter spin was the fastest one I've ever seen. Oh and my then god. They had the moment where it looked like they were actually beating the crap out of each other with those fists. <laughs> yeah, such an innovative match with with spots like that that uh were fresh or that you had never seen before. That's that's what kind of what puts it over the top for me. Yeah. Yeah. The shooting star uh into the Hell's Gate lock and then he just started wailing her. It was fantastic. Yeah, Pete Dunn is a very, very good professional wrestler. I mean, I don't want to short sell Tyler Bate, but Pete Dunn, man, this guy is great. The bruiser weight. Yeah, I mean, he's very, very good. If he plays his cards right, he might be at a Jinder Mahal level someday. Wow. <laughs> someday. He's got to get gotta hit the gym a little more, though. Just to throw it out there, uh, these guys are 23 years old and 20 years old, respectively. Yeah, that's crazy. Insane. Yeah. Um, so What's I thought NXT was... I got three words for you. Cruiserweight classic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's two. I thought, uh, I thought the show NXT was basically a show of two moments. It was the, the UK title match and then the Ciampa turn. At oh. the end, which was just unbelievable. Oh, so good. All the, all that was missing in that turn was a barbershop window for him to get thrown. Yes. That, yes. that was all that was missing. Yeah, it was. We were, Justin and I were watching it and we're like, are they going off the air like this? And uh, we, we kind of talked about earlier in the night, we were talking about when they were going to split them and um, how we wanted to see them get a run on the main roster as a tag team. Um, but this this feud they're gonna have this oh, summer for NXT. That's gonna be that's gonna carry the NXT brand. Yes. So man, put put that strap on Gargano. 
Let's let's do it. I want to see it. Yeah. Yes, I, I believe, you know, we've talked about it before. I think it's a long-term approach, though, Just I, I mean, you don't want to do it like at the Brooklyn takeover. I think it's something maybe you build um, you build to very long-term. Johnny Gargano is has top babyface written all over him. But yeah. what did you guys, now did you guys think once they put Rude Atami on not last, and we knew the tag that we knew DIY was going on last, the ladder match. Did the alarm bell start to go off? Okay, they may do the turn here. Yes, me, but I, I was also did. thinking it's either almost definitely the turn, but then I was like, well, that seems a little too premeditated. So maybe this is just like the send off for the, like they're gonna lose and then the. DIY okay. is going to go up to Raw or SmackDown. Okay, okay, that's true. And maybe yeah. they can do the turn up in the main after when they put them on last. For a while, we were wondering if the match is even happening because uh, we had the injury yes. at the house show. And when when Rude first came out, Justin and I thought maybe that was the last match, and they weren't even going to have it. So um, we were a little confused at first, but but yeah, I think when the when the match started, I think I was more thinking it was a send-off, just like Justin was. Okay. And that's what it appeared to be until the turn. And did, did you guys hear that uh, – I read on Twitter from some people that were there that uh, Tommaso Ciampa just sat there motionless on the table while the fans exited the arena. Like, he just sat out there. Yes. For I saw a long, picture. long time. That's yeah, pretty it cool. Like, it, was, it was really good. Oh, psycho killer forever. Yeah. Like, this feud is going to be amazing. Yeah. So, this is some really good stuff. I, I really enjoyed NXT. I enjoyed it more than Backlash. Easy. Oh yeah, it was, it was a far better show. There's just that. What do we think about uh, Bobby Roode's next contender? Okay, I've been giving this some thought. It it looked like they may be going with a Hideo Itami heel turn and possibly a feud yeah. with Ono. Yes. And so, to me, that only leaves three guys to feud. Okay, with I have Bobby Roode as well. Uh, Drew McIntyre. Yep. Uh, Alistair Black. Yep. And who I think they go with Roderick Strong. Yes, those are my three as well. Alistair Black, this guy. Talk another big talent in NXT. Great presentation. Yeah. That's how you present a new guy. Now, Strong doesn't really have great presentation. So no, but I might no. be a little surprised if he gets pushed to that spot, to be honest. Yeah, with but you know, I as as a soon-to-be dad, by God am I. Just falling for this man's story. <laughs> that he, he's so good in the ring too. Triple yeah. H was a little down on him in the uh, the conference call, the NXT conference call last week. Well, I think yeah. See, I knew people were going to say that. I think it was kind of he was kind of telling the truth because he is kind of bland without some sort of organic storyline like that. Mm -hmm. and, and I think he was like, yeah, okay, he's a good wrestler, but like. You know, with this storyline, I think he kind of was like, well, we could take it next level with him. What that next level is, I don't know. Well, it never stopped Randy Orton from being a 13-time world champion. Being bland, <laughs> that is. By the way, we need, we need to say something about Randy Orton. I meant to do this. So he is, and talk about no one being upset about uh, getting the old hometown defeat. Because Money in the Bank's in St. Louis when he takes on uh, Mahal. Yeah. I mean, no, no one's going to be bitching about get the guy losing his hometown then, right? <laughs> and I got to no, tell the we people, won't be. St. Louis. Imagine drinking that piss-poor Anheuser-Busch product 
when you can have something like the Maharaja. Okay, I mean, I was waiting for that. Bud Light. There are some really good breweries in St. Louis that are not Anheuser Busch, though. Well, there are. Oh yeah, there's there's there's, uh, uh, there's one called Four Hands Brewery, which okay. I have been to. Solid beers. Uh, there is Schlafly brewery makes one of the best pumpkin beers out there i think i might have referenced it last fall on the podcast and uh let's see what there's another one called o'fallon that's pretty good you just got to get away from the, the budweiser because yeah okay. that, that is budweiser barely qualifies as beer i've only been to st louis once and for legal reasons we can't really go into that so <laughs> maybe we'll have to send you back for money in the bank so you can just harass randy orton from ringside yeah <laughs> I think, guys, I think the real story here, though, coming out of this weekend is that NXT has kind of uh, reinvented themselves, and I think uh, they're hitting their stride again after a couple down months. For sure. I think there's a lot of interest again. Well, you know what it is? The matches are always fresh on these takeovers. Like, what's the success rate of these? I mean, when was the last time there was a bad takeover? I can't remember the last bad takeover. Yeah, these are virtually, I rarely see the weekly show anymore, but I always watch TakeOver, obviously, yeah. and you're never let down. Because the matchups are fresh, whereas, you know, this will be a great segue if we want to double back to Raw now. So SmackDown's got the money in the bank coming up. Raw's got this fatal five-way for Extreme Rules, right? It's how much 50-50 booking are we going to sit through in the next couple of weeks where it's these guys and these multi-person matches, just trading wins, on TV, and by the time you get to the big match, you you don't care that much. Yeah. Whereas all the personalities in NXT, they tend to put them all over going into the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with those five guys, you're going to see about every combination you can think of on Raw over the next few weeks. That's for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, next week's go home show. I mean, look at the, the, the way they scrambled it up. They did what a singles match that led to a tag match this week, yeah. and then next week there's a triple threat and a singles so yeah. cover their bases pretty much i would rather just see all five guys getting put over on a weekly basis who do we think we talked about this um recently for the first the first challenger to brock lesnar since wrestlemania who do we think it's going to be coming out of uh because they sure gave the rub to finn balor on, on raw with the paul Heyman Heyman segment yes i think it's gonna be balor yeah man just to get, yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on the match uh, at the pay per view because I was going to say great balls of fire, but WWE isn't even great letting their guys say that. <laughs> <laughs> Hit it, Jerry Lee. Yeah, I, I would. I'd rather see Rollins, but uh, they definitely seem to be uh, setting up Finn for the win. Well, now why would you rather see Rollins? So let's clarify if people have missed previous editions of the show. It's because the end result, you don't want to see Finn Balor lose to Lesnar. Yes. Nor do I. As If you're watching on YouTube right now, you see Justin holding up his uh, Finn Balor figure with the uh, pregnancy test still attached. If you didn't know, Justin is expecting. Kyle's expecting. God, by the time this fall hits, you guys, you guys are both going to leave me. I'm going to be doing the podcast by myself. <laughs> You're going to be up all night Roderick feeding Strong. babies. <laughs> Get, Roderick Strong. Get Roderick Strong to develop his personality. Yeah, that's daycare, right? Maternity leave will be over by that point, right? <laughs> Talk about a lot of new dads. This is going to be like the dad slash wrestling podcast. You guys, you can come to me for some advice. I got the the little one myself now, too. Like, God, putting yourself over is the learning tree. Hey, you the guys get ready. Pop. 
Yeah. You guys get ready for uh, never getting any full nights of sleep the rest of your life again. That sounds horrible. That's true. You'll get used to it. A lot of coffee. I don't, really get, I, I don't sleep a lot anyway. So, Well, be prepared to be up every hour for the first few months. Well, I don't like that. <laughs> it's worth it, though. It is worth oh, it. Okay, entirely. yes. That's right. It's worth it. Okay. Yes. Um, It'd be great. <laughs> one, other, one other thing to hit on Raw, by the way. Kyle, you're a big fan of The Drifter? I was a little surprised to see this. Oh, I'm going to... I mean, The Drifter is one of the all-time great competitors. <laughs> in, in a short period of time, the impact this guy has left on me is... I mean, what a great character. Because I think all of America, not just wrestling, because all of America can agree... If there is one person you don't like, it's a guy who breaks out an acoustic guitar at a party. <laughs> he, well, he's certainly no Dwayne Johnson 2003. Well, I think he's better. No. <laughs> Wait, what no, did he no, say? No. Those lyrics were so great. Yeah, the, 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 what are you talking about? The grandest of rapids or something like that? <laughs> hey, he, uh, he kept his composure pretty well. Ladies and gentlemen, Elias Simpson. Rapids has washed in discarded driftwood named Elias Samson. Now that you have all begun to hear my song, it's time of the end has finally come along. Say goodbye to the lunatic on his last night. What it needs is what I am. That guy was drawing heat, man. Yeah, he. I was gonna say he kept his composure while the the crowd was just booing the ever moving crap out of him. He was dead serious. It, for a new character like that, people, the light went on. That's why that character works. The light went on quick. People are like, oh, my freaking sweet Lord. This guy's <laughs> going to sing this song? I oh, do they, love they, it when I hear when I hear the first note of the acoustic guitar backstage. And you know he's coming. And everyone kind of grandest of rap. Is that? Tell you what, they could outdo the gender heat. Let's, let's get uh, the drifter going over Brock Lesnar at Great Balls of Fire. <laughs> oh, my God. What a company. What an industry this could be. Could you imagine if our two world champions are the Drifter and Jinder Mahal? That is two champions we could be proud of. I am a fan of the character. I'm, I'm not I'm not sold on him in the ring yet, although he's been pretty solid. I, I was gonna say, say I, I thought he was pretty good against Dean Ambrose. He's, he's he's solid. I'm just I'm just not like it's not a guy I'm dying to watch wrestle. But I I do uh I do like the character a lot. That's entertaining. I, I guess we shouldn't say this given what we've seen with Jinder, but like while the character's good, I, I think that it maybe kind of has its limitations too. It's yeah. not really a main event gimmick. And it's not like a gimmick you can milk for years. Well, the honky talk man sang crappy songs for years. Yeah, but that really only worked well for a couple of years. That's true. 
Well, he's still milking it. On yeah. yeah, I'll tell you what, 30 <laughs> years later, buddy. Yeah. Um, guys, we uh, so we got a few minutes left. Let's close on Owen Hart. Um, it's May 23rd was yesterday. It was the 18-year anniversary of the death of Owen Hart, who, for me as a kid, was one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. I think we're all of the age where we can pretty clearly remember that over-the-edge pay-per-view in 1999. Uh and so I just wanted to talk a little bit about his career, uh, favorite memories of Owen Hart. We had a couple tribute columns up on TopRopePress.com. You can check out. I wrote one. This is from years ago, but I post it every year. I wrote it probably 16, 17 years ago now. Uh, and uh, Abby Arthur wrote one who was on the show last week. So you can check those out. Uh, were you guys big Owen fans growing up? Or uh, was he... Uh, you know, this is the era where you were believing in the heels and you didn't like the heels, so you didn't like Owen Hart. Justin? That's me. I'm the second category. He he worked me completely. Like, I almost even couldn't see how good he was in the ring because of how much he made me hate him. I, I just, like, the nugget stuff and, like, it always felt like something was just off of that dude. But he, he was terrific in the ring. And then... It's one of the few instances where I remember exactly where I was when I found out he died. And especially because my dad's not a wrestling fan, but I happened to be outside and like, he came out and told me I know exactly where I was. Uh, yeah, tr- tragedy completely, but dude was amazing. Yeah, probably the, uh, to me, it's the all-time greatest tragedy in wrestling history. Because Owen, Owen had nothing to do with his own demise. There's all these stories of sad deaths in wrestling of course and a lot of times you know it's not like the people deserve to die but um they had somehow done it to themselves through their lifestyle or through their relationships owen was just by all accounts such a great guy that uh, that's it what made it so sad stupid the, the the means of which he died that there was yeah, he, he was not the guy that should have been coming down from the Raptors. He Nobody should have. It's a stupid stunt for a mid-card match. Yeah, Let's yeah. Just bottom line it, okay? I mean, I don't want to, like, you know, start reopening lawsuits here, but it was really dumb. For what yeah. that, I mean, for I mean, what was t- to gain from that? But I was a huge Owen fan. You talk about um, ballsy out-of-the-box booking. That night at WrestleMania 10, man, Vince McMahon, my hat's off to him that night. That was so great. And when you talk about like a five-star match, for me, it's always kind of got to have some unique element to it where it had to be, you know, kind of those two guys on that night at that time, which really limits somebody. I mean, I don't like to give out a lot of five-star matches. Not that anyone cares, but whatever. But with that match he had with Brett at WrestleMania 10, man, you just can't duplicate that the elements of that because no one else would have done that for Owen. I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine. He was not a superstar at all going to that show. He just, he got into the one hot feud and because it was his brother, his brother who was going on to win the world title later that night, puts him over. It's one of the greatest matches in WWF history, WWE history. And I mean, you know, you talk about overcoming something. I mean, in one fell swoop, he went from just kind of a, a guy everyone recognized was pretty talented in the ring to a bona fide star. I've always maintained, so Mania 10 is obviously that in the ladder match, the two best matches. I've always preferred Brett and Owen. If I could watch one match from that show, I'm watching Brett and Owen over the ladder match. Um, and one of the interesting things, so they had such a great feud throughout 94, him and Brett, was that Brett really didn't want to do the feud originally. 
he had to be sold on it. And Bruce Hart's the one who actually wrote most of the story for himself. Um, was presented, <laughs> be said, yeah, yes, was presented yeah. good old Bruce. Yes. He wanted to come in and do it. And, uh, Brett wasn't really sold on it. And, uh, as I remember hearing it, it was presented to Vince and the guys and it kind of mulled over for a while. And then eventually when Brett signed on, yeah, they, they didn't want to do it. The, the higher ups in WWF wanted to do it with Owen and, uh, yeah, just, a. <laughs> great feud the the latter match they had at SummerSlam at the united center i think it was the first show cage ever match. at the united center uh the, the the cage match sorry they also had a ladder match uh i think on a house show maybe brett and owen did at one point i think there's like a fan cam of it out there yeah, um for sure. the uh cage match that's probably my favorite cage match of all time uh as hell in a cell as, as far, far as, as the blue as the blue cage yeah if we're going like hell in a cell included the first one with uh michaels and takers up there but uh the old, the old cage match, uh, yeah, this is probably my favorite cage match of all time. Yeah, because the escape rules always hampered those things, and they really, like, there's that se- that sequence early in the match where they start trading dives out the door, yeah. which is, like, really awesome. I think I had that as, like, my second best SummerSlam match ever in the countdown I did last summer. Yeah, so, yeah, I just the way they used the whole lot. family, too. What's that? Over the Edge. Did you see that live, Justin? Over the Edge 99? No. No, you. Nope. I, what strikes me is I listened to another podcast. If I can, um, Bix and Span and Zelna earlier in the week. Neither of them watched it live. It's striking to me how few people, like how many, like big time wrestling fans, weren't actually watching the show, and they found like everyone's got their. You know, Ryan, you talked about it in your piece. Everyone's kind of got their unique individual story. How they found out about the news. I was a freshman in college. And I cannot, for the life of me, remember what site it was. Maybe like Wrestle Zone or something like that, or something. But like, um, probably was like some site that doesn't even exist anymore. I can't remember. But you know, I was hitting refresh. Like I was just sitting there. I'd gotten home. I'd been out. And I just was like, oh yeah, that's right. The pay per views on it. Let me see if I can find results for it. what's going on. And I remember the headline: Owen Hart is dead. And I was like, what? And like, it was crazy because like, um. The in, it, communicating like via the internet wasn't what it is like now, any even close. And I remember just be like, my buddy like messaged me, like Owen was his favorite wrestler. He's like, oh, WWE's like so, you know, like you know, oh, they'll be out of business in two months, which was kind of a ridiculous comment to make. But um, yeah, it's just kind of weird how like, you know, I, there were so many WWE pay per views I would watch live, but that one I just I just didn't like. I was in, you know, I would go home actually when I was in college to order them because we didn't have that capability in the dorms but that one i was just like yeah this is skippable and uh yeah i remember turning on the computer and seeing owen hart is dead it was it was a it was an in your house and it was still the kind of the era where like the in your house pay-per-views weren't always must see i think that's no, no, part it wasn't of it they had done away with in your house by that point over the edge was was like part of the in your house branding though original yeah but at that yeah. point they had stopped using the in your house moniker yeah, it was. I think that's why so many people weren't watching it, though. It wasn't. It wasn't like one of the bigger pay per views. Yeah, yeah. We you know, and it wasn't like. God, by the way, I, I listened to a recap of like. I mean, this is like very trivial, like compared to, but WWE was not good in 1999. Yeah, the uh, WrestleMania in 99 was a huge letdown. I thought people who like pine for the return of the Attitude Era put on some 1999 and tell me you want to go back to that. 
If it wasn't for the star power on top, no thank you. I mean, there was some drag. Yeah, we've talked about that before. The Attitude Era is, I think, highly remembered for the the segments they would do on the shows more so than the matches um, and the main event matches. But there were some terrible about, segments, too. Stuff yeah, like, but people always like, remember, like, the beer truck and, you know. Yeah, but that's because of Steve stuff. Austin. Yeah, the top of the card was strong, but, yeah, top to bottom, like we said, is uh, not the best era of wrestling. Yeah, but it's... It, it, it was just so needless when I, I was listening to going through some stuff and the whole thing was just very needless to do a to spoof sting. Yeah. It's just I don't know. It's really stupid. That was I, I I wasn't really a fan of Owens until the whole Heart Foundation era because I was before that not really smartened up. So I was kind of like Justin, I hated him for a long time because he was feuding with Brett, you know, and I was a huge fan of Brett. Uh but that that Heart Foundation storyline '97 is still maybe my all-time favorite storyline. I just I love the whole thing, and that's when I really started admiring Owen. And then I liked what he did with the Lone Heart stuff after Brett left. I I would have hoped they would have put him more in the main event scene than he ended up being. Yeah, well, he got kind of he was hosed because guess what? The two main eventers didn't like him. Yeah, yeah. So they they kind of missed the boat there because the crowd was really behind him for a while. Um, mm-hmm. but, I, I don't uh, know if Ryan has announced this. On- on this, but he was so into that storyline with the Hard Foundation that he actually bought a Canadian flag. <laughs> this is a fact. It's true. I went to uh, Walt Disney World that year in the summer of '97. <laughs> and if you if you've ever been to uh, Disney Epcot. Epcot, they have all like the country sections. Mm-hmm. And I made like a beeline for the Canada one, and I bought a, a big Canadian flag. Yes. <laughs> it's true. And uh, another thing I remember from that era is uh, I was in Boy Scouts, and uh, me and my friend Jeremy were both big wrestling fans. When we go on the campouts, I'd bring the old WWF magazines and stuff. And uh, we would always, like, um, at the meetings, we'd kind of, like, spoof, and they'd be doing, like, the Pledge of Allegiance, and we would start saying, oh, Canada. <laughs> Well, I guess I guess we know what's playing us out this week. Seventeen. What's that? What'd you say, Kyle? Oh, a precursor to 2017. Yeah. <laughs> we were man, we were into that though. That that storyline was fantastic. When I go back and watch retro stuff on the network, it's it's uh, 97 Raws a lot of the time. That segment where Brett came down, like it was the week after the heel turn, which is maybe one of the five greatest promos I have ever seen in wrestling ever the night after WrestleMania 13 mm-hmm. where he just like lays it out, like lays the story out so beautifully. And he, and he, and he culminates with the American wrestling fans of coast to coast, kiss my ass but the next week when Owen and I think it's the very next week, Owen and Davey are wrestling. Cause remember they were supposed to split up was the yeah. original storyline. They had been building that for months but Brett, once he agreed to turn heels, like, no, 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 or I'm going to do this Heart Foundation thing because he had creative control. That segment where Brett comes down and convinces them to stop fighting and, like, he puts the end to the him and Owen feuding. He's like, oh, and remember that bully I beat up for you? And Owen, like, is doing, like, the yeah. crying and stuff. And <laughs> that is incredible. Yeah. That was so, like, and, and they embrace, and, Bre- like, Owen's, like, crying, and Brett has that empty look, like, <laughs> I am like just the most hideous human being of all time. <laughs> he that, says like I need your brother or something like that. And then yeah. Owen just breaks down. Yeah. Yes. That is incredible television. 
Look what they've done to you and me. I was the one that got you to the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah, you laughed. They push you and they push you and they push you. And they push me, they push us against each other. And they've driven this wedge between the whole family. You know, they what they do to Diana? Huh? Owen. I know you since you're a baby. I dress you for school. I dress you for school every day. I was the one that made sure you made the school bus. And how many times, how many times did I take you? Remember St. Michael's school and that teacher? That teacher was picking on you. I was only 13 years old. I went to that school and I set the teacher straight. Who was there for you more times than I was? Who was the one that talked to you even getting to become a wrestler? There's only two people in the whole family that really excelled in wrestling. It was you and me, and they turned us against each other. They turned me against my own sister, Diana, because Americans don't understand family. They don't give a damn about family. Owen, Davey, I'm asking you for your help because I need you. Owen, Owen, look me in the eye. Nobody was there for you more times than I was. I want you to hear me, and I want you to hear me loud and clear. And I don't care about these people, not anymore. Owen, I love you. I love you. Owen Hart is overwhelmed. It's right? Yeah. For, for any of our younger listeners, do yourself a favor. If you want to hear a hot crowd, go watch the In Your House Canadian Stampede. You will hear one of the crowd, hottest crowds that has mm -hmm. ever witnessed a WWE event. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Calgary in July 97. That was the, the height of that storyline, man. It was it was crazy how the U.S. and Canada was going back and forth. And they had booked shows just as it happened in Canada that summer. It was like they were going back and forth. U.S., Canada. U.S., Canada. Like Raw every other week. It was perfect and uh the fans were it was like the fans were part of the storyline and uh i think i think that storyline is really what turned around wwf oh yes and without question what happened in the attitude era people forget to steve austin's performance of that canadian stampede pay-per-view is jaw-dropping like the whole thing when they escort him out in handcuffs yeah. and he's just flipping off the crowd anyway <laughs> yeah that is just the most like LOD was kind of phoning in, and I guess you could make the argument during that time. Or by kind of, I mean really. But 
everyone just playing their role. I mean, even like Brian Pillman, like Pillman, obviously his WWF role run was so disappointing because of injury, but he looked like he was having the goddamn time of his life in that match. Like, remember when he, he like even gets in the ring and he starts doing the faw tapping with Ken Shamrock. He just runs in the ring and grabs Shamrock's arm. And he's like, he's tapping, he's tapping. Yeah, like, that's just, yeah, that's incredible stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that is that's one of the greatest crowds of all time at that show. That's a great recommendation from Justin. Definitely check it out. I think our homework assignment for next week, we got to watch some Owen Hart on the WWE Network, guys. So, uh, yeah, rest in peace, Owen. One of the greatest of all time. One of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Yes. Uh, you guys got any closing comments before we take it and hit the road this week? Um, I don't think so, believe it or not. Just, right. I don't know how I'm going to finish this Maharaja now. I, <laughs> I brought a prop. I thought that would be a funny thing to do, and now I'm going to be 10%, baby. Yeah, I saw I saw it at the liquor store the other day and thought of you. Oh, wow. For those unfamiliar with beer, 10% is a lot. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, like we said earlier, uh, subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a review. We'll read on the air next week. Leave us a review. Um, Subscribe on YouTube. If you watch the show on YouTube. You'll never miss a show. You get an alert in your email if you want every time we post a new video. Um, so you can check that out. Check out topropress.com. Patreon, of course, if you want to support the show. We've got t-shirts on Pro Wrestling Tees uh, slash Top Rope Press. And we will be back with you next week. Have a good weekend and stay safe over Memorial Day. Kyle, watch your alcohol intake. We'll be talking to you soon.